Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road, who's still carrying with him his um, his upper chest infection from uh, my road trip over to, um, I guess I got it during the uh, Farm Machinery Show. I'm not blaming them. You never know where you get these bugs from. But I'm going to ask you ahead of time for your forgiveness if I start to cough. I'll try to get to that pause button as quick as possible, but uh, I may not. And so uh, that is, um, I'll do my best. That's all I could say to give you a good show today. But I need to give some shout outs. And the first shout out is to Sam Woodward from York, Pennsylvania. And he works for Vivid Life Sciences, which is a biological company. And I met him over at a growers meeting at Grow Market Fest. And he gave me a pin in my map for York, Pennsylvania, because he is a listener to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And I'm looking forward to getting together with Sam and after I get my soil test next month and see how I can apply some of uh, Vivid Life Sciences biologicals to my sweet corn crop. The next pin is going to, mis- to Mr. Rick Rogel from Sarasota, Florida. I don't know anything about Mr. Rogel, but I know that he's anxious to get into that drawing for that hot rod farmer license plate, which uh, God willing should be coming in the next couple of weeks. And then the third person that was kind enough to give me a pin in my map and to get into that drawing is Robert Creel from Helena, Alabama. And Mr. Creel has some acreage down there and he takes care of a bunch of vehicles and some equipment on the farm there, little farm. And he is a listener to the show on SiriusXM. So thank you to the three gentlemen for giving me a pin in my map. And know that all you have to do is contact me via Hot Rod Farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and tell me that you want to be in that drawing and you will get a pin in the map and you will be in the drawing for that Hot Rod Farmer license plate. But, you know, we get together here in the farm shop, right? Every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern and then again on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern with an encore. And that's, as you know, it's ex- exclusively on Sirius XM Channel 147 Rural Radio. But keep in mind that after an episode airs, that you could always go back to my website, farmmachinerydigest.com, and then all of the other, all of the back episodes. So I post them a week after, or my, actually, my art director, Susan Moore from More Good Inc., posts them a week after they air on SiriusXM. So please use that, use that as a resource. And then before we get into the topic of today's show, which is going to be time to temperature, I need to to uh, just give a shout, a different type of shout out to Mr. Patrick McGowan. And he's been a long time listener to the show. And I believe his sister, Kathy, listens. And she gave me a pin in my map. And I'm looking right at it in Manhattan, New York City. And Patrick asked me whether he, he whether I felt that, I, that he should invest the time and effort into restoring his beloved uh, great uncle, Uncle Ed's old outboard motor that he used to use that uncle ed used to go fishing and i say absolutely that in life there is two banks the one you put money in the one you put memories in and the one that you put memories in is so much more important than if you could restore that motor patrick and i will help you any way i can with advice and they go fishing on those lakes that uncle ed went on 
what a wonderful, wonderful blessing that would be. So uh, that's what I want to tell you. So please do that, Patrick, and I'm excited to hear all, all about it. And right after the break, we're going to be learning about time to temperature. Sirius XM. The best collection of podcasts is just a tap away. Hear podcasts from Marvel, including the award-winning Wolverine, The Long Night. And exclusive podcasts, Marvel Method and Marvel's Declassified. Plus original podcasts from your favorite Sirius XM hosts, including Stormy Warren, Fantasy Sports' Lisa Ann, and Jeff Lewis. Listen to the podcast favorites you've been hearing about. Without ever having to leave the Sirius XM app. Free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. Hi, this is Red Stegall. I want you to join me every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock Eastern, and together we'll explore the life of the American cowboy through his poetry and his music on Cowboy Corner Collections. These are shows that we've recorded and aired over the past two decades, including the music and poetry of our friends as well as myself and the boys in the bunkhouse. With stories by America's great storytellers, join me as we ride through the West on Cowboy Corner Collections, Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern on Rural Radio. One really good reason to get up early. I'm Scott Linden, out and about in the uplands. And like me, oh, maybe you need some motivation to roll out of bed and head for the lake. Here it is. Breakfast is served. Not yours. Entomologists, scientists who study insects, have figured out that immature Aquatic insects migrate en masse about 30 minutes before daylight, drifting with the current, becoming helpless, hapless meals for the fish we want to catch. Now, as their primary food source, shouldn't we be out there when fish are tuned in to the bug buffet? Kind of like us getting a bag of gut bombs from the drive-thru en route to our fishing hole. So early to bed and early to rise makes the fishermen healthy, wealthy, and wise to the ways of fish. Brought to you by FindBirdHuntingSpots.com. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And during the break, once again, I remembered that I forgot to mention where Mr. Rick Rogel is giving me a pin in my map, and that is in Sarasota, Florida. So thank you very much, Mr. Rogel, for that. It is my first in Sarasota. I have others in Florida, but not in Sarasota, and now I do. But um, to get back to get to the topic of today's show is that, you know, just like any farmer, every, every should let me, let me say it differently. Every farmer wants to raise the best crop he can. And then it's just a matter of how much time and effort that he wants to put into it and will also put into that expense. But it, everybody's goal, no, nobody goes out there. It's not want to lay, raise a lousy crop, all right? And the same thing happens when you're an engineer. You want to, tr- you want to create the, the most efficient, the best product you can. And whatever that product may be, it could be a car, it could be a can opener. Excuse me, it's irrelevant. But you want to try to create the best product you can. And obviously, just like in agriculture, you have to work within a budget because you can make a can opener with a diamond cutting bit on it and a can opener costs $3,000 and you're not going to be able to sell any of them. And just like you could, you know, you could uh, put thousands of dollars in of an acre in inputs into a field and then only generate $1,000 from it and it costs you 2000 so that obviously is not going to... <clears throat> work either 
So it always has to be that balance. But the thing that needs to be understood is that every, every I'll say, machine, product, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to call it, because it's such a broad-based statement, it's hard for me to actually give a qualifier for it, is that it has to have a certain level of performance. And early on in the design stage, you identify the level of performance that you are looking to achieve. And usually what you will do is you will benchmark something. And in agriculture, for instance, you may be benchmarking your neighbor. You may be benchmarking somebody like uh, like Dave Hulo. I think he had 616 point something bushels of corn last year. And you say, well, that's my benchmark. I'm going to look to try to achieve a beat that, 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 that yield. But you always have to benchmark something. And sometimes your benchmark is, eter- is internal. So you may say on your farm, you had 300 bushels last year. And you don't give a darn what Dave Hula has, but you want to have 310 or 320 or 350. And that's an internal benchmark. But you always have to benchmark something because it's like, you know, like going hunting. If you don't aim at something, you're probably not going to hit anything either, right? So everything in engineering, we benchmark. And it's, and back about 20 years ago, I had a contract. And many of you noticed that BMW of North America, because their engineering headquarters was in New Jersey, their North American engineering headquarters. And I, I had a contract with them as a test engineer for calibrations and component and basically calibration evaluation, but used to do some other stuff. And at the time, they were coming out with the, the BMW X5. And I did a lot of testing in that also, but um, you know, different uh, as far as calibration is concerned. But, um, and they were going to come out with a, BMW wanted to come out with a BMW, like cooler refrigerator, like a Coleman, like a little Coleman deal, little cooler that you could plug in to the cigarette lighter and it could make hot or it could make cold. And of course, they figured somebody's going to buy this X5 and they're going to want to go to the beach with it or go uh, hunting or whatever. So they wanted a BMW cooler. And uh, the fact of the matter is that the market was full of very good coolers already that someone could have gone to a sporting goods store at the Kmart or Walmart and bought a Coleman or some other brand. But they wanted a BMW cooler and they wanted to... uh, So what they came to me and they asked me whether I'd like to get involved with that project as an, uh, on the side to uh, doing the calibra- engine calibration uh, work. So I said, yeah, so I'd look in, I, would, I would enjoy doing that. So they gave me, gave me a budget to do it, and I said, do you have any, you know, what are your protocols? So they said, we have no protocols, and protocols would be what you're looking for. In other words, uh, so I said, well, let me make up a set of protocols, and then you could send them over to Germany. I'd see if they accept them. So what I what I what I recognized was that that when you're having a cooler or anything like that, and this would be a cooler and, a heat, and it would heat, is that the time to temperature. And with an engineering, we say time to temperature. And you know, people think of temperature only as being hot, but temperature could be cold also. So if you're looking working on an AC system or you're working on a in a dairy barn in a milk chiller, that the time to temperature would be the time that it's going to drop the milk to a certain temperature or the time that the time that your discharge temperature your on your air conditioner duct is going to go from ambient to to whatever so so don't get fooled into thinking that temperature is just heat when we talk about t to t and that's how it's abbreviated time to temperature is that the time for it to achieve a certain level of a change 
in the temperature, hot or cold, depending upon the system, and then to to go to the next, to, to achieve the next level. So what I'm trying to say is, let's say arguably that you have an air conditioner system and you get in the car and the duct temperature is 108 degrees because the windows were all closed. So when you start that car up and you put the air conditioner on, and that's why you're always supposed to open the windows first and let the air conditioner run so it gets the heat out, is that you, so you have the duct is, a, let's say 110 degrees for easy arithmetic. So now we have to have a thermal change from 110 degrees so that cold air is going to come out of that evaporator and it's going to start to pull the heat out of it. So it's going to go from 110 to 198, 70, whatever. And then ideally on an automotive AC system, you would want to probably a discharge, a duct discharge temperature in the mid, under 40 degrees, mid probably 33, 34 degrees uh, is is what would be ideal. So now you have to have that delta T from 110 degrees down to 34 degrees. So what you would do is you would, I would be testing in some instances the temperature, how quick it would take to pull that down. And there's a lot of things with air conditioning come into play. Obviously the airflow across the con- uh, the condenser, the speed of the compressor, what have you. But so that's a, so that's a temperature change. Now likewise, you could have a hot water boiler like I have in my house here, and you the, the the oil burner right so in the firebox that heats the water that goes through through that that casing i always forget what they actually call it that casting and has a thermal thermal change so the, the flame heats that water and then that water is what is used to heat the house and uh, as the and also for my hot water heater because i have what they call a, a remote indirect hot water heater so it uses the same water from the zone to heat the domestic hot water but it doesn't come in contact with it. So anyway, so so that's a different temperature change. But what I'm getting at here is that it's very important for you with all of your equipment, whether it's in, on the farm, whether it's in the house, whatever, but we'll talk about the farm, whether it's on your farm tractor, whether it's in your dairy barn as far as a milk chiller is concerned, whether it's a grain dryer or what have you, to always be cognizant of the time to achieve the temperature the desired temperature because what will happen is that over time inefficiencies and the inefficiencies may be due to dirt in the system the inefficiencies may be due to some other mechanical problem it may be due to uh, 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 a lack of airflow what have you you have to look at it you know i'll use that engineering term application specific again which is like an agronomist going well follow all labeled instructions that's you know that's the escape clause you just follow the label and application specific is the engineers is the engineers escape clause but it's it's very important and that's what i'm trying to to drive home on today's show for you to be very very aware of your equipment and one of the things that i want you to be aware of is the time to temperature and it could be as i said before temperature hot or temperature cold so for instance now let's say arguably let's get back to my 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 boiler in my house here about a month or so ago my friend tony and i we took it all apart and we cleaned it and what i and even though it didn't have much carbon in it i notice now that when that it comes up to temperature 
a minute or two quicker than it did before. It wasn't laboring before, but I could see now it's like boom, right up to temperature because we cleaned all of the carbon off the tubes. So there was a bit more, there was a more direct heat transfer. So that's going to give me efficiency in the boiler. Now, so using that same logic, all right, that you could reverse it. So let's say you have a, um, a refrigerator, you have it, uh, a, a chiller for your milk in your dairy barn, whatever it may be. It's very important for you to say, hey, you know, this thing normally comes up to temperature or comes down from this temperature in this amount of time. And you don't need to take a notebook and write this down, but you need to be aware of what is going on with your machinery. Because when you're aware of what's going on with your machinery, is that it's no different than a person. Like I went to go see a good friend of mine, Bob Ida, the other day. And actually, I did an on-the-road podcast with him. So if you go to my website or any place you get podcasts, he's on the road to Bob Ida, wonderful story. And, uh, you know, I just said to him, Bobby, before we went to record, I said, you know, you don't seem right. I mean, I know the guy for 25 years. You don't seem right, something wrong. And then, then he told me, you know, his wife isn't feeling well. So... So when you know something about someone, you kind of tell they could hide it, they could try to hide it, but they can't. But the same thing happens with machinery. With every type of machine, you cannot have, you know, you, you, you can't have blinders on and your ears plugged. You have to really be attuned to it. And, and, and equipment, the time to temperature is so telling. So for instance, let's say you start an engine and you say, by the time I usually get this far down at this ambient temperature, more or less this far down the farm lane, or if I get this far into the field with the tractor, I'm usually up to this cooling temperature. And now I see that it's not up to that cooling temperature or it's getting up to that temperature sooner than it used to. Then that's a trigger for you to look at something that something is going on. But if you don't have that historic data, then, then you cannot do that because you have no idea. Just like saying, if I never met Bobby before, I said, well, I guess that's the type of guy. He's got a sour puss on his face. I don't know, what do I know, right? So your same thing is with your grain dryer. So if you're looking at your grain dryer, you're looking at your bins, what have you, right? Like I'm just making generalities here. And if you know if you're putting corn in with this moisture and this humidity level, and then there's this, this uh, ambient temperature, what have you, that you usually could pull it down to this reading whatever the reading may be 12 percent 40 whatever whatever it be then again application specific in this amount of time whatever the amount of time is and now you're saying to yourself well hey it's taking a lot longer for it to pull down than normal right there's going to be some whatever it's not going to be right dead dead nuts on the money but you say geez you're usually after x amount of hours it's pulled down here now it's not all right what's going on here all right, the same thing is if it's now it's pulling down really quick, what's going on? Is this thing gobbling gas like is you know the 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 uh the gas manifold have have a hole in it or whatever. So you have to look at it both ways. These are trigger points. Just like you going into a field and looking at a crop or looking at your cattle or looking at your poultry. All right. So uh you know, heater performance on a on a on a on a farm track, the road vehicle. Right, because heater performance can be in the time to temperature can be independent of the coolant. 
right, you could have the coolant up to temperature, but if the heater performance, you say, geez, you know, the coolant is up to temperature more or less, but my discharge duct temperature is, is, is really not getting hot. Well, then maybe you have a problem with depending upon the system with the blend air doors, with the heater control valve. Conversely, with an air conditioner, you have an air conditioner. Now, if, if you're anal like me, you're going to go into town after you hear this, and you're going to go buy one of those little thermometers that they sell, and uh, they look almost like a little oven thermometer for air-conditioned ducts, and any guy, anybody who's anal like me rides around in their pickup truck or their car with a duct, with a, te- with a thermometer in their AC duct, and you stick it in there, it doesn't hurt anything, and you go watch your discharge temperature. So if you know and say, geez, this thing used to always pull down to 38 degrees or something, and now it's not pulling, it, now it's hardly pulling down, it's, it's working to pull down to 70 degrees, well, then we have something going on because you going with your hand and feeling it, you know, it's then again, it's like they say in agriculture, right? When you start to see the, the nutrient deficiency in the crop, it's way too late, buddy right so when you start to say it's hot in this truck well what's going on with this air conditioner that system is already has a problem and the thing is that for to catch those problems as early as possible because if you catch them early they are usually not that bad to fix and there's no collateral damage anywhere else so the take home message here today is that it is very important for you to become intimate to a certain level with all of your equipment that has to that that gives some sort of temperature reading or its function is temperature same thing your wife could say you know i put the oven on in the house to make the turkey you know i put it on for two hours and it's not up to 375 i don't know what's going on over here you, you can't have blinders on in life to your machinery because if, if you have blinders on what's going to happen is by the time you recognize that there is a problem it's either going to be cost very very costly very complicated or past the point of no return hi everybody this is marty stewart join me as i travel coast to coast city to city exploring america through his sounds and stories on marty stewart's america odyssey Then stick around for the Marty Stewart Show, bringing the brightest stars and the best music straight into your home with the help of my fabulous superlatives. It all starts Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, right here on Rural Radio. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to a very special show. Country music history comes alive with stars, songs, and stories. You know, we're blessed with great stars here on our show tonight. The face and voice of country music on TV and radio. Having a good time? This is going to be fun. Country Music Hall of Fame member Ralph Emery. Sunday right here on America's only agribusiness and western lifestyle network, Rural Radio. There's more to come here on the Ralph Emery Show. Justin Mills here, rancher and host of the Working Ranch Radio Show, inviting you to join us on Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147. We'll go in-depth on topics that are relevant to the beef industry. Plus, we'll hear from meteorologist Don Day on the long-term weather outlook and the Captain Tim O'Byrne with Working Ranch Magazine will stop in for Tim's Two Cents. So join us on Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern for the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM. 
If you plan a visit to the Fort Worth Stockyards, then you'll want to mosey on in to the Cowboy Channel Bar on Exchange Avenue. It's the first and only sports bar devoted solely to Western sports. And it's a great place to tune in to the Cowboy Channel, gather with friends, and throw back a cold one. So come and discover one of the best watering holes around. And be sure to wear your hat, because the Cowboy Channel Bar is where the cowboys and cowgirls gather. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And now, before we get into the under the sheet metal segment, we got to bring in Tex Rubinowitz. Come on, Tex from Ripsaw Records. All right, thank you so much. So in our Under the Sheet Metal segment today, it's going to be diagnosing a weak diesel engine. Often a lack of power sneaks up on an engine like gray hair does on a person. One day it becomes very apparent. This problem could also include an increase in fuel usage and a degradation in idle quality. The cause can be very elusive since the engine sounds fine and compression and cylinder leak down tests prove inconclusive. They just show normal wear. When you cannot find anything wrong, but you know that there is, think out of the box and evoke these tips. For diesel to run properly, it requires the necessary amount of fuel. If the fuel delivery is weak, then the engine will not be itself. Most think of a clogged fuel filter or corrupted water separator, which can be valid culprits, but few consider aerated fuel. This describes fuel that is not in a solid stream, but instead is mixed with air. Think of a hydraulic brake system that is airbound. Let me drop my papers here, which is not good. Okay. Uh, when air is introduced into the fuel, it is not only displaces the combustible fluid, but causes an ebb and flow of the amount getting to the injection pump or common rail system. Splashing of the fuel in the tank along with any return fuel can cause aeration. It can also be the root cause of a change in performance when the fuel level is very low. This is a normal phenomenon that an efficient lift pump has the ability to negate. If you suspect fuel aeration, the easiest way to diagnose it would be to install a sight glass between the lift pump and the engine. If there is, <clears throat> if there is an excessive <clears throat> amount of bubbles, you then need to backtrack. Air can be introduced into the fuel via a cracked slash degraded pickup tube in the fuel tank, loose fuel line fitting, a cracked or loose water separator, or any other region in the pathway that it travels. Temporarily bypass each section of the fuel line until the bubbles disappear. A turbocharger is a key component to most diesel engines. For it to perform properly, the exhaust must have no leaks prior to the turbine and the air feed to the engine from the cold side of the cold side or the compressor must have integrity. An exhaust leak will limit turbine speed and thus boost, while an intake leak will allow boost to escape to atmosphere. A pinhole in an intercooler coil will also bleed a good deal of boost along with a poorly sealing wastegate and loose or degraded hoses on the induction system. Many engines suffer from, a cumul from cumulative minor leaks 
on both sides of the turbo system, and the result is a lazy and fuel-hungry diesel. If there is no boost gauge, one could be installed temporarily to check the operation of the system. So it's very, very important. And as I said in the beginning of the Under the Sheet Metal segment today, is that a lot of this stuff sneaks up on you like gray hair. And the engine becomes lazier and lazier and lazier until it becomes such a dog that you recognize it. So I want to thank you so much for listening. And I just want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed day. Stay safe. And I'll catch you next week. Be well. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Ethan Wayne. John Wayne and American Experience is in its second year in the Fort Worth Stockyards, and visitors are loving it. Come spend a couple hours and immerse yourself in Western nostalgia. Get a unique look into Duke's life that's only available here. All right, mister. You asked for it. Tickets available on johnwayne.com, or they may be purchased at the Cowboy Channel Bar across the street on Exchange Avenue. Reserve your tickets now. The Voice of Agriculture, Kansas Farm Bureau. In comments submitted to the EPA and Army Corps of Engineers, Farm Bureau says the proposed changes to the Waters of the U.S. rule would reintroduce burdensome federal regulations for agriculture. Problems with this proposed rule range from the incredibly vague terms that they are using to establish jurisdiction to the claim that they made about this rule having zero impact on the regulated community. Farm Bureau's Courtney Briggs says the proposed changes would allow the federal agencies to regulate features like ditches. It's incredibly concerning that federal compliance will be associated with a low spot in a farm pasture. The comment period is now closing and the EPA and Army Corps will begin finalizing the rule. I would anticipate that we see a finalized rule sometime this year. Learn more at FB.org and listen again here for more from the Voice of Agriculture, Kansas Farm Bureau. I'm Chip Flory, and every weekday on AgriTalk, we tackle the day's news with a panel of experts and lawmakers at the forefront of the issues, and we connect you with the information that you need. If it's related to ag, we're talking about it on AgriTalk, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central on Rural Radio 147 and on the SiriusXM app. Hi, this is Misty Rowe from Hee Haw. Thanks for listening to Rural Radio 147 on SiriusXM.